0: That you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I'd like to start this episode by turning to the beautiful 119th psalm and focus our attention upon four verses. Those would be verses 45 through 48. So that's the 119th Psalm, verses 45 through 48. The passage says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will also speak of thy testimonies before kings, and shall not be ashamed. And I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on thy statutes. In these four verses, we see David set forth five things which he affirms will characterize his life as a follower of the laws and precepts of God. I believe that these same five things should be characteristic of each of us as children of God, as members of the body of Christ, as Christians, as simple followers of the Lord. Let's turn our attention to those precepts now. In verse 45, David wrote, and I will walk at liberty." David here affirms that as a follower of the laws of God, he would be freed from the bondage of evil and at liberty to do that which is good and right. Not only will he be free to do that which is good, but he will be free to do it not by constraint, not by force, but willingly. Isn't that the same situation that we find ourselves in as children of God? Don't we also walk at liberty Isn't it true that of all people, we who are Christians are the ones who actually can say that we walk at liberty? To better illustrate this point, please turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Romans chapter 6, and we'll look at verses 12 through 18. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. In that passage, Paul wrote these words to our Roman brethren. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness but thanks be to god that though you were slaves of sin you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin you became slaves of righteousness my friends christians and Christians only, truly walk at liberty. By giving our obedience to Christ we have been made free, placed at liberty, loosed from the bondage of sin. We are no longer servants of Satan. We are no longer subject to him. Our joy and our happiness on earth no longer depends upon doing the will of the evil one. Consider with me something Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. The passage shows us where liberty, true liberty is to be found. Paul wrote, now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. So as Christians it is true and right to say that we walk at liberty just as David said It is characteristic of our lives that we are no longer slaves to Satan seeking to do his will and to serve him as the vast majority of people do without even knowing it. No, as Christians we are free really free to walk at liberty. In verse 46 of Psalm 119 we read I will also speak of thy testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. This is characteristic number two David would be bold and courageous in his proclamation of God's decrees even if it exposed him to the wrath of kings. That is how we must be, never afraid of our faith, never ashamed of it, always willing to proclaim it before anyone, anywhere, without dread of the consequences to ourselves. We must be willing to stand up and proclaim it boldly, as that by which we live and that for which we would die. Surely one of the finest and most thrilling examples of boldness and courage in the proclamation of faith and adherence to faith as embodied in the Word of God is to be found in the actions of three young Jewish men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, we'll look at verses 8 through 18. What a tremendous example this is for us. Daniel 3 verses 8 through 18 for this reason at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews they responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king O king live forever you yourself O king have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn flute lyre trigon psaltery and bagpipe and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image but whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire there are certain jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of babylon namely shadrach meshach and abednego these men o king have disregarded you they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up then nebuchadnezzar in rage and anger gave orders to bring shadrach meshach and abednego Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you will not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I read that passage and the first thing that comes to my mind is, wow. Just imagine that situation. These young men were saying, in effect, whether or not God saves us is immaterial as far as our lives are concerned. We will not do that which we know is wrong. That is courage. That is boldness. And that is the kind of attitude that should characterize us as well. I'm reminded of a time when Peter and John stood before the most powerful people in the Jews' religion and were told not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That was in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Their response in verses 19 and 20 is so encouraging to consider. The verses say, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Let us each put ourselves in that position. Imagine being called before a congressional subcommittee for a hearing or called before the Supreme Court of the United States and told not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. As long as we are imagining such a horrifying thing, imagine being told you are not permitted to worship Him any longer either. What do you suppose our reaction would be? What would your individual reaction be? I would pray that we would remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that we would remember Peter and John, trust in the Lord Jesus and have the courage to be bold and proclaim God's word anywhere and before anyone as the opportunity presents itself and to worship him as he has asked to be worshipped. In verse 47 of Psalm 119 we find and I shall delight in thy commandments which I love. Here is characteristic number three. David was going to be cheerful and happy as he performed his duties as set forth in the word of God. He was not going to complain, or would he do so as he did it grudgingly. Obviously, this attitude should characterize our performance of our duties to God. Too many Christians approach their duties and obligations to God as as though they were wearisome chores to be done because they have to be done, with no real joy and cheerfulness involved. That's not how it should be. Peter teaches us that even in the midst of trial and tribulation, our lives as Christians should be characterized by joy. Now that does not mean a hopping up and down giddiness that cannot be controlled, but an inner joy that cannot be quenched. Look at what he tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 7-9, through 9, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, through you, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith in the salvation of your soul. Sometimes, if it is good, if not imperative, for us to sit back and ask ourselves if we are truly happy to be here, or do we find ourselves wondering how long this is going to last? Asking ourselves if Bible study is something that we find enjoyable, or something that we just have to do or don't do at all. It is clear that the admonition is to be cheerful and happy, both to perform our duties as children of God and even in our very approach to our duties. In verse 48 of Psalm 119, we find, And I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. This is characteristic number four. David was going to be diligent and vigorous in the performance of his duties. He was going to lay his hands to the task and get on with the business of doing what he should. Obviously, this should characterize us as well. I'm reminded of a statement that Jesus made in John chapter 4 and verse 35. The Lord said, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Surely no one can say that there is not work to be done. As Jesus said, look around. There are people everywhere who are lost, and unless changes are made in their lives, destined for a horrible eternity, and many of them have never heard the gospel of Jesus. Our job is to take it to them, or try to interest them in spiritual matters of eternal consequence. That does not necessarily mean that the only way the commission can be fulfilled individually is to go to foreign fields or halfway around the globe. That means right here, the people we work with, the friends who live right next door. It is our responsibility to put our hands to the work with diligence and rigor, and in so doing glorify the Lord. We need to feel the same thing Paul expressed in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. He said, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And then finally, in verse 48 of Psalm 119, we find in the last clause, and I will meditate on thy statutes. It seems to me that what David was saying is that he would be thoughtful and considerate as he applied himself to the task of the study of God's word, as he came to know his God and his duty better. So should we. Knowledge of God's will for us and his duties he has for us to perform does not come through the process of osmosis. In other words, just by sitting next to someone who applies themselves to meditation upon God's word, I'm going to get to know it better. No, it takes time and effort. Surely Paul's admonition to Timothy in Second Timothy 2 and verse 15 points out the need for thought and preparation on our part. When he wrote to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed handling accurately the word of truth to abide within the doctrine of Christ to teach the doctrine of Christ one has to know the doctrine of Christ and the only way that is going to happen is by applying ourselves to the task of learning it and meditating upon it our responsibility is is to be thoughtful, considerate, and prepared in the work of the Lord. What it means to be a Christian, the glorious responsibilities that we have, these are things to think about. Thanks for listening.